Well, hello everyone. Happy Friday to all. Another beautiful day in Pittsburgh here. This looks like it's going to be a great weekend. Um, as I have kind of done per periodically the last couple days, Pro, Pro Football Focus is putting out their position lists. You know, top 25 quarterbacks, top running backs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And every time one comes out, I like to at least bring it up with you guys. So there's two more positions um, to talk about that are new for them. And not the pro football focus is gospel, but they are unbiased. And I do think there's a lot to take away from it. And um, sometimes I have issues with what they do, but just to pull back the curtain, I go to their site every day or at least five days a week and at least see what there is to offer. And there's a lot of content. So let's start with the defensive tackles. Now, Cam Hayward's going to be high on this list, you know, as he should be. So their defensive tackle list goes, number one, Aaron Donald, still. Can't fight that. I mean, he just wasn't on the field much last year at all. You know, I mean, the Rams were a disaster. He's still an amazing, amazing player. But Chris Jones from the Chiefs is nipping on his heels. He's their clear number two. And kind of the way they phrase it is he's closer to one than he is to three. And again, I have no qualms with that whatsoever. You know, the Chiefs have Kelsey, Mahomes. Jones, and that is the foundation of their team, and that's as good a trio as you could ever ask for. And probably not coincidentally, they are the Super Bowl champs. And side note, I mean, I didn't plan on having a whole defensive tackle conversation with you guys today, but I think these guys make the world go round. I mean, interior pressure, and it's a really good group of defensive tackles in the league right now. This interior pressure and Playing with light boxes and still being able to stop the run is so important. And defensive tackles are more important now, or at least as important now, as any time I've been doing this over the last 25 years. So those are the clear top two to me as well. And I love that they put Dexter Lawrence third on this list from the Giants. He's young. He plays an amazing amount of snaps. People look at him like he's just a nose. Wrong. He is a beast. We're not here to talk about all the defensive tackles in the league. Next is Quinn and Williams from the Jets. Lawrence, Williams, Wilkins, uh, Simmons. These guys are all about the same age. They're all phenomenal. Three technique, nose, whatever. They're all phenomenal players that are all getting paid right now. And I highlighted those four because they're the only four ahead of Cam Hayward on this list. And those dudes are all young going into their prime, not Donald, but the majority of the top defensive tackles in the league are hitting their stride right now. But this is what they have to say about Cam Hayward as, you know, a, the fifth defensive tackle in the entire league, which I think is right. I have no problem with that. Despite being 34 years old, Hayward continues to perform at an elite level. With consistent PFF grades of 89 or better over the past four seasons, I'll stop right there. A 90 grade for them is like elite, elite, elite. It's not like 90 gets you an A on the test. I mean, 90 is elite, and he's 89 or better over four seasons. Hayward routinely ranks among the top players at the NFL at his position. His career can't go on forever, but there's no reason to expect him to drop off in 2023, considering how he has performed last year. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that's dead on. Um, I also mentioned they ranked corners. I think they went 35 deep. And I thought it was noteworthy. Cam Sutton was not on that list. My hunch is he probably would have been a just miss type of guy. I know he grades well for them and he's a really good player. 
But Patrick Peterson did make the list. You know, Sutton didn't. Peterson did. He came in at 31st, which isn't old school Peterson. I mean, of course, he would have been top five for much of his career. But here's what they say about Peterson. Peterson had a huge bounce back season in 2022 for the Vikings. He finished with a 77.8 PFF overall grade and five interceptions, the most he has recorded in a single season since 2012. At this point of his career, he is better in zone coverage than he is playing man-to-man, but he still showed that he is capable of very high-level play if he can be protected a little within the scheme. I think that's great. And again, I think he's not just going to be outside the numbers, man coverage guy. I think he'll be mentor to those types. He'll do some of it. But I think he could play some slot near the line of scrimmage, on the inside a little bit. I think he might be in the process of kind of reinventing himself. So, um, interesting stuff. And still just a really good all-around player. Um, The Steelers aren't going to leave him in islands all the time. I mean, there's no chance of that. But I thought that was interesting. We're going to take a break. And there's another article I really thought had some good Steeler nuggets in it, too. I'll be back in a minute. Okay, Um, even if you don't play fantasy football, but certainly if you do, fantasylife.com is Matthew Barry, who I consider a friend. We worked at ESPN together for a long time. That's his site, and he has some tremendous writers there, Dwayne McFarlane, amongst others. They're really, really good, and there's a lot of stats, and what they're doing right now is they're doing an article on every team, and the Steelers one just came out yesterday. So I found out a bunch of... Stats that, of course, correlate to fantasy because these are all going to be quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end stats. You know, they're going to talk about blitz rate and things like that. But some of this stuff tells you a lot about how the Steelers play football and what to expect going forward. I mean, so as I've mentioned, I'm going to reference fantasy sites a lot whenever we do these podcasts. So here's some things. And this makes me a little crazy. So here's how the Steelers offense has ranked in play action rate and average depth of target over the last two seasons under Matt Canada. In 2021, they were 31st in play action rate. Makes me crazy. And they were also 31st in average depth of target. Now, that was last season, Ben. He's not going to hold the ball. He doesn't like play action. Okay, we remember that. So, this year, new quarterback, Matt Canada can do his stuff. We're going to, you know, drive the ball down the field, use a lot more play action. Some of that's true. They Last year, they were 29th in play action rate. That's crazy to me, especially in the second half of the season when you run the ball so well. That makes me bonkers. But they were 11th in the average depth of target. In 2021, their average depth of target was 6.7 yards downfield. Again, that was 31st. Last year, it went up a whole yard and a half to 8.2, which was 11th. But I think that's somewhat misleading because how often have I told you they lead the league in go routes? You know, they're, they're still not attacking the middle of the field. There's a lot of bombs, a lot of short stuff, you know, so that brings the ADOT up, but... 
it's a little misleading because you throw Chuck 130 yards downfield, that changes the average dramatically. That play action rate has to come up, though. I mean, that, that's what makes me crazy. Um, here's some other stuff. On top of these low play action rates in ADOTs, average depth of target, Pittsburgh's offense also ranked low in pass rate over expected. What that means, they're 20th in pass rate over expected, which I don't really have a problem with because they ran the ball so well in the second half of the season. But what that means is in this, in X situation, third and four from your own 22, the league passes X amount of time. So those are the expect at the expectations. So the Steelers are slightly under in pass rate over expectation. Again, that doesn't bother me because of how well they ran the war. They were they ran the ball, and they also were 18th in situational pace. You know, like how fast you get the plays off. Not a big deal to me, but the reason they bring that up is it's hard to get fantasy numbers. If you're playing slow and you're not throwing a lot, you know, especially for Pickett, of course. So that was just a little nugget there. Um, again, some of these are just going to be fantasy related, but it also correlates to what we see on the field just as fans. Pickett averaged 11.5 fantasy points per game. That was 29th among 32 quarterbacks that started at least eight games last year. Really bad. Um you don't throw any touchdowns. I mean, touchdowns make the world go round in, in fantasy. So, but, uh, okay, here we go. Pickett joined his number one receiver, Deontay Johnson, as one of the biggest underperformers in fantasy last season based on the difference between his expected fantasy production and his actual fantasy production. Now, this sounds bad, but it's actually really good for the future in that a lot of it was just he, was, he wasn't lucky. You know, like if you put – a quarterback in the situation Pickett was in, nine out of ten times he would have scored more fantasy points, more touchdowns. And to be honest, I would think most of that in such a small sample size is luck and should regress to the mean, which doesn't mean bad. It just means it's going to go back closer to average. And he was on the bad end of luck. However, <laughs> this doesn't sound great. Listen, listen to these names. Only Pickett. David Carr, not Derek, Kyle Orton, Bruce Gradkowski, hey, we all like Bruce, Jimmy Clausen, Mitchell Trubisky, hey, we're Mitchell Trubisky fans, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson have failed to throw for even 10 touchdowns with the benefit of 10-plus starts in their first season since 2000. Not great company to keep. You know, we can look into this however we want, but these are just facts. Further complicating matters was the reality that Pickett wasn't exactly a diamond in the rough. The Steelers combined run, receiving, pass blocking, and run blocking grades ranked 15th in the NFL last season pro, for, per pro football focus, so it's not as if Pickett lacked supporting cast. That's noteworthy. In fact, as I've told you many times, Pittsburgh managed to start the same five linemen in every game in 2022. It's not like his teammates never let him down, but you can't blame the supporting cast. Maybe coaching, but yeah, different story. Um, then I want to talk a little bit about Najee. The reason for Najee's per per huge fall from grace in fantasy production last season was largely due to a reduction in target volume as a receiver. 
This is their words, not mine. Old man Ben Roethlisberger fed, fed Harris a ridiculous 76 targets as a rookie in 2021. But that total was nearly cut in half down to 53 targets in 2022. This dropped Harris' expected PPR, you know, his points per game from 19.7 all the way down to 14.9 fantasy points per game. So if he would have had the same targets as a rookie, he probably would have been the running back two in fantasy, where he ended up as the running back 12. But part of that is because Jalen Warren's been so good. Warren made more out of his opportunities as a rookie last year than Harris did, which led to Warren, Warren earning more work as the season progressed. In fact, the, this part's interesting to me. In, the rookie saw at least 30% snap rate in six of his seven healthy games following the bye week. So, of his last seven games, Warren got at least 30% snap rate which is a big number, especially considering Tomlin's history with feeding one guy. And there you go. Yeah. So, and it wasn't, it is a smaller sample size. It's easier to be the guy off the bench. It's easier than it is to be Najee. It's easier to be Warren than it is to be Najee. But I found this interesting too, that in terms of eight or more defenders in the box, their percentage is... Exactly the same. <laughs> Harris saw 40.4% of his snaps with eight or more in the box. Warren saw 40.3. So basically the exact same thing. You know, teams played these guys the same way in terms of dedicating defenders to the box. So those were some interesting stuff. Um, I found some more on Fryermuth, Pickens, Deontay. We'll probably save that for next week. Just want to get something to you guys quick and digestible. I know there's a lot of numbers there, but, um, you know, just interesting stuff. Different ways of looking at this team from outside our little realm. Uh, Over and out. Hope everyone has a fantastic weekend.